It's not hard to imagine the feelings of Easter this morning. It's early in the morning in Scripture. The disciples are gathered together behind locked doors because they are afraid. But the women have an essential job that they must complete. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus' dead body. And as we sit at home today, listening on the radio or tuning in online, maybe we feel some of those same things. Fear, apprehension, the strangeness of this day. And yet maybe it brings us a little closer uh, to what was happening on that very first Easter. As Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, and the other women walked and talked, they whispered to one another, wondering who was going to roll that stone away. Surely the other laborers would not be there so early if they were there at all. When they looked up, They saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was a very large stone. Going into the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. They were expecting death. They were expecting to struggle to move the stone away, to anoint the corpse of the one whom they had given up everything to follow. And instead, they find a messenger. He said to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He isn't here. Look, here is the place they laid him. Go tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. And what do these women do? Mark's gospel tells us something a little different than the other gospels. Overcome with terror and dread, the women fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So then how does the word of Jesus' resurrection get out? Mark leaves this question open for us. Maybe so that we can see ourselves in the role of these women. And confront the question of faith. Will we be silent and fearful? Or will we proclaim God's life-giving power in those places where we assumed death had the upper hand? Mark has set us up for this since the very beginning of his gospel. Professor and pastor David Lose explains All through the gospel, Mark reminds us that the people who should know what's going on, like the disciples, don't. Jesus predicts his passion, his arrest, his crucifixion, and his death three different times, and yet they still don't understand. They still are surprised by what happens, and they don't believe what Jesus said. Again and again, the disciples disappoint. And so perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that 
these women who, let's remember, had the courage to stay with Jesus to the end and then ventured to his tomb to tend him, nevertheless fail like the other disciples. The people who realize who Jesus is are ones who can't be trusted to tell the story according to the social structure of the time. Take, for instance, the demon who possesses a young man at Gerizim. We heard that way back uh, in the early winter. He recognizes Jesus, asking, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? The demon knows who Jesus is. But you can't count on a demon for testimony. And then there's that Roman centurion who immediately after watching Jesus die states, truly this man was God's son. A goosebump inducing moment if there ever was one. But can you count on a Roman centurion for testimony about Jesus? They are opposing forces. So there we are. All the people who should know don't, and those who do know can't be counted on. So it appears that we're in a bind. Except, there is someone else who has seen and heard everything that Jesus has said and done throughout the gospel. One other who has heard Jesus' predictions and then watched as they came true. One other who listened to the news at the tomb, at the empty tomb, and heard the order to go and tell. Do you know who that person is? Well, it's you. And it's me. And all those who read and hear Mark's gospel. The women are told to go tell Peter and the disciples. All those who betrayed, denied, and fled from Jesus during the trial and crucifixion. And they were told to tell them that Jesus is going ahead of them to Galilee, that they will see him there just as he told them. Remember, Galilee is the place where it all began, where Jesus first appeared proclaiming the good news of God. Instead of being ashamed of those who have failed him, Jesus calls them to begin their journey of discipleship again keeping in mind all that they have seen and heard the first time around. The summons to Galilee is an invitation to rethink everything, to reappraise the whole story in light of its ending. And just like we are the ones who have also heard and seen all the events and predictions throughout the Gospel of Mark, we are included in this too. Yes, perhaps we have failed at our Lenten disciplines. And of course, there are many ways where our discipleship is imperfect. But we still are included in this invitation of renewed discipleship. Invited to leave the empty tomb now and go back and read the story again. Like the disciples, we didn't understand the story the first time. But now that we have been to the cross and the cemetery, we can read it again with new eyes and a new heart. 
When we read the Gospel of Mark again, with post-resurrection eyes, we see Jesus breaking through into human life as one who is powerful, but also as one who will suffer and die. In other words, we see a God whose power is a strange, suffering power. We go back to Galilee, and the second time around, every story in the Gospel of Mark is a post-resurrection appearance. What we see is a God who surprises us at every turn in the road. A God whose power is expressed finally in weakness. Mark tells the story of a Jesus who goes ahead of the women and the disciples through the trials, suffering, and death. Jesus goes ahead of them to the resurrection from the dead. Even if they have failed Jesus, Jesus will not fail them. And this is the good news for us too today. Jesus goes ahead of us through the trials, through the suffering, through death itself into the resurrection of the dead. And no matter how many times we have failed at our own discipleship, Jesus does not fail us. It can be easy to see the risen Christ in a packed Easter Sunday worship like we're used to. Or maybe in a sunrise or the spring flowers blooming. But what about now? Where do we see the risen Christ now? Tuning in on the radio or watching online, at home in our pajamas instead of our Easter best? Where is the risen Jesus when we return to the drudgery of the same old things? When we're always at home, when the boredom, anxiety, and drudgery of that everyday life all together in that same space is overwhelming? Where is the risen Christ in the new routines of our days, creating different patterns of work, play, and connection, not out of novelty, but out of necessity. The risen Christ has gone there ahead of us. And we will see him in those places. In all our places of brokenness, in all those places that feel like death, places and events that are so overwhelming that we want to run away and keep silent, Christ has gone ahead of us. We will be met at the point of our brokenness, and Christ will not just be with us, but also do something amazing. Transform it into newness of life. And we are empowered to share the good news of God, the risen Christ, precisely because of our brokenness, our fears, our failures, and the drudgery of this part of life that we're in. We may not always see it, we may not always understand it, but God will be there. And we can proclaim that this story, that God's story does not end, not where Mark left off or any of the others, but continues in our very own lives here and now. We still live and love and struggle and die and hope by faith alone. 
Sometimes all we get is that word, the difficult, challenging, yet hope and faith creating word that Jesus is risen, that death has no more power, that life is victorious. And even though we may find it hard to believe when we hear this word and be drawn to faith, we are pulled into the story once again, even just by our longing to discover where that might be. Jesus is risen. He is not here in this empty sanctuary. We will not find him in the empty tomb. For Jesus is no longer dead. Death has been conquered. Christ is alive again in our hearts, in our homes, and in the world around us. What will we do with this news? Who will we tell? How will we add another chapter to this incredible and miraculous story? Go and tell. The risen Christ is going ahead of you. Alleluia. Amen.